welcome to a very special sleepy edition of 8-Tracks Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the show where we look at 8-Tracks that share a theme. This week's theme is songs featured in TV shows. As always, there's a playlist in the description of the YouTube video that we want you to either listen to all before or follow along as we say track one, you go listen to it. Just listen to them. Please. 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 As always, as you might have heard, I'm joined by Katie. Hiya, I'm wide awake, which makes for uncomfortable viewing. <laughs> I think we swapped roles. I'm fucking barely conscious today. Yeah, I had to get up at fuckish o'clock to go to the post office. I'm on four hours sleep, so this should be a fun one. It should be. I had to rack my brain for this gonna... one because I don't really watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you seem to be struggling. Like I spoke to you yesterday, you're like, I've got two songs. Uh, Jamie, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Did I you have to do a Google? Songs. No, no, thankfully I didn't. But I did sit in Asda Car Park for 20 minutes and go, I don't like any TV shows, what the fuck am I going to do? <laughs> so two of my songs were picked about 40 minutes ago. Shall we uh, crack on with it? I don't think we have any choice, Jamie. <laughs> First up this week, <laughs> it's you, Katie. It is, and I picked Dreaming by Blondie. Track one. One, two, three, four. <laughs> So that was Blondie with Dreaming featuring yeah. everybody's horny moz in that fucking everybody's Top of the Pops horny video. Moz. Holy shit. Why was Top of the Pops so filled with horny moz? You've got to remember at that stage of their life they weren't moz yet. They were just horny. I now they're it, horny moz. Is it is it because like the haircuts and the fashion that I'm just like, that's somebody's more. Yeah, that's ex- yeah, you just look at those people and think of Beverly Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. Like fucking chest high jeans. Yeah. <laughs> jeans that come right up to your nipples, right up there. So, what show was that featured in, Katie? RuPaul's Drag Race, Jamie. Ah, good choice. I was wondering if you are going to pick someone from Drag Race. Yes. It was Season 7, Episode 4. No spoilers, but if you're not caught up, you're five seasons behind. (laughs) It is the song that Trixie was first eliminated to on that season. She lip-synced against Pearl, and Pearl somehow won. I sense this was controversial. I've not seen Series 7, so this is a spoiler for me. No, like, okay, well, I'm spoiler joking. alert. Trixie <laughs> redeemed herself and won all stars. Three, so yeah, it's yeah, fine. she did. I mean, I really liked Trixie in that season. And personally speaking, having watched the lip sync at the time and come back to it now, it's very clear that Pearl was saved because she had a better storyline in the show. Rather than um, the lip sync itself. Exactly, because Trixie was really cute and like campy and Pearl just threw her arms in the air and clearly didn't know the words. I love that song though. I love that song so much. That's one of my favourite Blondie songs. It's really nice. I do too. Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. It's got some good guitar. It's driving. That hook is strong as fuck. Yeah. I don't like Blondie particularly. Well. Oh really? I say that. I, I, I like Blondie's music. I hate Debbie Harry. Especially okay, now, sure. given she's one of these people who is these kind of old billionaires who are campaigning for copyright laws to be extended and stuff. I really have some issues with Debbie Harry. Right, sure. But Blondie made some good music. Yeah, totally. This might be their best song, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I I love I love this song so much. This is this is honestly probably my favorite Blondie song. It's such a good pop song. Yeah, it is. It really is. I think for and, um, me it's between this and Call Me 
Yeah, I like Call Me. I like Rapture as well, but every time it plays, my dad's like, do you know that this was the first song to top the UK charts with rap music in it? Douglas Campbell. Which is actually true, but also, <laughs> let's keep the fact, Stone White Boy. <laughs> yeah, I really struggled to pick. I was going to pick MacArthur Park mm-hmm. um, from Drag because I wanted to pick a song from Drag Race. Yeah. And I was going to pick MacArthur Park because it's probably one of the worst songs I've ever heard. Oh yeah, so you but decided lip- to pick a good song? Yeah, I decided to pick a good song with an average lip sync. The MacArthur Park lip sync was Manila Luzon and Delta Work. Nice. And that was season three, and that was like an amazing, that was one of the best lip syncs of all time. And I was going to pick that, but I really don't like the song MacArthur Park. And Dreaming's a really good song. It's a great song. It's a great, great song. There's, um, there's something about the drums and some of these like early 80s new wave stuff. That yeah. Just, they're just so punchy. Yeah, totally. And they work. Like There's something about the way they're produced. Mm-hmm. They're just so crisp. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, I really enjoy Blondie. I really enjoy this song. It just makes me really happy. It's a really happy song. Mm. Proper good new wave banger right there. Yes, it's a great song. I really enjoy it. It makes me kind of sad that Trixie got eliminated. Thank God she got brought back. And then she got eliminated again. And then she won All Stars. So that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Much as every day as well. is complete. Yes, very much so. RuPaul herself is in the middle of the downfall arc. <laughs> Jamie, RuPaul fracks. Yeah, I was going to say, big fracking RuPaul's RuPaul. RuPaul's Oh, God. Bit of a change of pace next. We've got The Damned with Nasty. Some fantastic horror punk right there. The damned of nasty. Can we talk about the fact that The Young Ones is probably one of the best shows ever made? And incredible musical guests, like every single week as well. Like, it's such a bizarre thing, just in the middle of the episode, they just cut out and they're just like, oh, here's fucking The Damned, or here's Motorhead, or here's Madness. I was going to say, I was going to say, were Motorhead not in an episode as well? Yeah, they performed the Ace of Spades on one. I prefer The Damned, if I'm being honest, to Motorhead. Or specifically the song to the Ace of Spades, really. Yeah. It's a show that was so fucking ahead of its time. Yes. And, you know... R.I.P. Rick Mayo. Rick Mayo was a genius, and Adrian Edmondson as well. Like, both yes. of them. And Ben Elton had a hand in writing The Young Ones. you got to acknowledge mm. that. And I don't like to acknowledge Ben Elton, so... <laughs> there we go, I said his name. Uh... <laughs> well, we do what we have to, Jamie. We do what we must. Uh, the Young Ones was really a special show. There's nothing like it ever since. Mm. Even though I prefer Bottom, which followed it, Mm-hmm. completely different like completely polar opposites yeah i was always more into the young ones my dad is really into the young ones one of my favorite jokes i've ever seen on tv is the one where they ask they blow up the wall mm-hmm. and rick mail gets so angry and he's like i will write to my local mp <laughs> and neil goes but you're an anarchist for me <laughs> he goes well i shall write to the lead singer of echo in the body but then dear Mr. Echo! I think... and, and that makes me piss myself laughing every time I see it. I love Rick Mail because he recycles jokes later, and mm-hmm. that I think evolved into a joke in Bottom. Though, where Adrian Edmondson, I think, appropriated that in Bottom a little mm-hmm. bit, where they're talking about the riots in Hammersmith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, the episode's called Carnival. Uh-huh. And they're treating it like a carnival, and they're just like, oh, it's the annual Hammersmith Rise, and that's the whole thing. <laughs> and then they're robbed at one point, and he's just like, this is ridiculous, I'm going to write a letter to my MP. 
And then Rick Mayall goes, why? And he goes, to tell her I love her. <laughs> <laughs> then Rick Mayall's going like, Eddie, Tony Blair is a man. <laughs> he's just like, she isn't, she isn't. <laughs> Their back and forth is just fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah, it really is. There's something real special about it. Yeah. Rick Mayall's probably like one of my all-time comedy heroes. Have you read his autobiography? I haven't. Bigger than Hitler, better than Christ. Yes. Which is fucking hysterical. He just spends the whole time slandering everyone he's ever worked with and mm-hmm. insulting the reader constantly while bigging himself up and saying how many birds he's shagged. It's the most Rick Mayall thing I've ever fucking read. It's fantastic. I will say, though, you've read me it. I've read you excerpts because it is just fucking hysterical. But I always fall asleep because your voice soothes me. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. You have a very soothing voice when you read. So back to the damned, because we've talked a lot about the young ones, but we need to talk about the music. <laughs> yeah. That song is absolutely fantastic. It gives me, like, a, it's a bit criminal to say this, given the damned were one of the originator punks, but this song specifically is gives me big Misfits vibes, which is okay, partially yeah, why I, I like it. Yeah, I get that. I mean, it's not as nasty as the lyrics of the Misfits, which is no, actually kind Jesus. of welcome, to be honest. And Captain Sensible's guitar, like, the riffs, and just the speed of it is just all very my kind of thing. I'm so sorry. Can I just stop you? Yes. Is the guitarist called Captain Sensible? Yes. He is quite good. I didn't know that, and I need to know more. <laughs> He's got a really good solo career after this, just writing oh, really? anti-Thatcher songs. Amazing. Post what a band. great guy. I was considering adding one of his songs in, because he has a song in a show we're going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. called We're Glad It's All Over, about the Falklands. Of course. I don't think the damned are quite as well remembered as they should be. I think, you think pe- they're underappreciated? I think they're underappreciated. I don't think they're underrated. Because yes. people who know who the damned are rate them clearly. And mm. New Rose is obviously, you know... A banger. Yeah, and also one of the most lauded punk tracks like, mm. to date. The my thing with the damned is that they came from the early era of punk, but they didn't feel artificial to me. Mm. Unlike the Sex Pistol. Yeah. Because the Sex Pistols were artificial. They were a fucking boy band. The Damned yes. felt real. And their music's always felt genuine. Mm. And that, you know, extends to Video Nasty. Where, yeah. as you saw in the video, if you're watching the playlist, he is dressed like fucking Dracula, holding a cross. <laughs> a fantastic performance by Alexi Sale as a vampiric Johannesburgian car driving instructor. <laughs> so- sorry, sorry, that's not funny. <laughs> what, sorry? You cut out. <laughs> Sorry, I laughed. I was laughing. That it's just the way you tripped over yourself. You're like car driving, driving instructor. instructor. Look, my brain's not working. I want four hours sleep. No, no, no. I, it's not funny. I don't know why I laughed. I'm sorry. You leave me the fuck alone. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm joking. I've I'm been joking. up for hours. I actually prefer the video from the young ones to the actual music video for the song. It's just more fun. Oh, yeah. But then that's partially because Adrian Edinson, Rick Mail, Alexi Sale. And the other two guys, I can't remember the name of right now. The boys are, just, are there. Yeah, they're all the there, are there. Running about their fucking student flat. If you haven't watched The Young Ones, give it a watch. It's fucking brilliant. And then watch Bottom. Thank you, Radio Times Guide from 1987. <laughs> no, because it got. Did it not get. No, I think at the time The Young Ones was well received, but Bottom was slated. Oh, was it? Yeah, at certain, certain oh, points. They called it derivative and stuff. But then, I don't know. I have big opinions about Bottom. You have big opinions about everything. Specifically, bottom. I love bottom so fucking much. Yes, I know. I know. I we all know. Right. Okay. Shut the fuck up, Jamie. Next track, untitled by Interpol. 
Anthony. So the second time Interpol showed up. Yes. First time since the first episode on Hard mm-hmm. Cells. And yeah, for some reason, I always overlook their first album. I know it's like their most well-loved, but for me, I do overlook some of the album tracks on it, and this being yeah. one. It's a toss-up between Turn On The Bright Lights and Antics for the kind of fan favourite. Yeah, because um, everybody talks about, like, Obstacle 1. Yeah, everyone talks about the singles. Is <laughs> the kind of, like, wanky answer yeah. to that. They um, don't appreciate the album tracks. Unlike Interpol connoisseurs like ourselves. Oh, I didn't realise Sean Connery was present to mock me. <laughs> no, that's my impression of you being a wanker. <laughs> I don't know why it transformed oh God, a little bit into Sean Connery. Sean Connery. <laughs> Look, if you're trying I to like sound it. like Sean Connery, Interpol, I've got some good tracks that are hidden like on their album. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Nah, like, that's not Sean Connery, because you're a woman, he would have slapped you before you could say anything. <sighs> Old Sean Connery and his fucking domestic abuse charges. Can I get an oofed, please? I know. I know this is off topic, but having watched a lot of old Bond films recently, yeah, it's really problematic, and it happens every single Bond film. At least once a film he slaps a woman for speaking. It's great. Love it. Anyway. Love that. Interpol. Yeah. So, this track, I don't know why I know this, because I never watched the show. I was going to say, I, I didn't think you were a big fan of... I, I have, Yeah, I don't, particularly like, I don't particularly like Friends. Front. Friends. Friends. <laughs> but this song is featured in the episode, the one in Barbados Part 2, okay. where... <laughs> this is I, a deep cut. This is a fucking deep cut. I have the Wikipedia up. It's the episode where... Joey and Rachel kiss for the first time. Oh yeah, that brief romance they had. Yeah, fucking... I don't know why I know that. Like, I think I was sitting watching TV. Like, it was on E4 all the time. Yeah, it used to be, like, constantly on E4. Yeah, and I distinctly remember sitting doing something else. And the song plays... Like, Joey goes to Rachel's room or something like that. And when the door closes, it starts with the kind of, like... I don't know how you describe it, the guitar at the start of the song. Oh, it's kind of intro. I was mean, so intro, that's the simple way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I should have just gone for intro. Yeah, no, this um, is the chorus of delayed guitar. Yeah, thank you, the delayed guitar. It started, the delayed guitar kind of starts out of nowhere, and I was like, what the fuck is that? that that's Interpol. It's such a weird choice. Is that Carlton Banks? For that moment. Do you mean Paul Banks? Yeah, that was a joke. It wasn't funny. Yeah, that's most of my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I think when we grew up, it was hard not to know, or at least have seen most episodes of Friends. Yes, because absolutely. it was so saturated in pop culture. Yes. Oversaturated, really maybe even. I never really got into it. You know, people would be, like, they'd ask you, are you a Ross or a Rachel or whatever? People would do that. And I was, I was just like, I have think I'm a Chandler because isn't he the dickhead? Yeah, he's a dickhead. I was going to say you're Chandler. the Chandler. Yeah. I, you're supposed to love me, can you not? <laughs> I have never felt any kind of relation to any of the characters in Friends. I've always thought they were arseholes. I hate to be that guy. No, I think some of them are. Like, Ross is an arsehole. They're all he arseholes. They all have, they all have arseholish behaviour. But we don't like friends, so we're always going to look at them, you know. No, but I used to like friends. 
Oh, did you really? Yeah, I used to quite enjoy Friends. I've seen Friends like the whole way through, probably three or four times. But that was when and I grew up. I didn't know that Untitled by Interpol was featured no, in but... part two of <laughs> season nine, episodes 23 and four. It was funny. You know what you said that one time in Barbados part two? I actually mm-hmm. knew what episode you were talking about, which blows my mind because yeah. I haven't watched Friends in about 10 years. But it's such a cultural touchstone. Mm-hmm. Especially the later stuff. Uh-huh. You can't escape. You can't escape friends. You can't. No. But it's it's funny, like, a lot of these kind of traditional three-camera sitcoms, or, you mm. know, whatever, use good music in them. Yeah, like, there was a lot of good music in Friends. Like, even How I Met Your Mother features Belle and Sebastian in an episode. Mm. And, obviously, Victoria by the Kinks and stuff like that. Uh, it's a classic Interpol track as well, obviously. It's yeah, it's a, it's a great song. Fucking amazing album, Turn On The Bright Lights. Mm. Is very brooding. It is. Gives me a bit of a Sonic Youth vibe for some reason. I don't know why. I'm not really that into Sonic Youth, so I can just trust you on this. It's not even that Sonic Youthy, but it, was, it sounds like something that Thurston Moore might be into. Right, right. And he could just read it off a sheet in front of him while he performs <laughs> it. <laughs> and, you know, but it, there's not enough feedback noises in it for it to be Thurston Moore. Yeah, there is that. And there's not enough shouting and grunting for it to be Kim Gordon, so. Yeah. No, it's it's good. It's it's good classic era Interpol. Absolutely. Can I just can I just add something here? Mm. I was trying to find out which episode of Friends it was on. Yeah. And found a post on the Morrissey Solo forum. Okay. From two thousand and three, and it's making me howl with laughter. Please read us this post. So, little Rob, but you can call me Robert, said, "Man, fuck that. Interpol need to keep it real." Billy's mother said, Interpol, fraud alert. <laughs> and then Lil Rob, a.k.a. Baby Lennon, came back, having spoken to the rabbi who said Paul's sister's bar mitzvah, and, yeah, basically said that they're about to release a new album. And I just thought that it was just wild that the Morrissey Forum would be getting on somebody's back for being a fucking sellout. I <laughs> know. These forums were such a big thing back in the day. I know. I, I I was never a forum person. No, me neither. But I did hear a funny story on... Well, actually, saying that, I I did like something awful. But that was more than I a I was forum. on something awful, but that, that, that was a, a hell mouth rather than a forum. Yes. An interest... Well, I say an interesting story about music forums. Adam Scott was apparently huge into the REM forums back in oh, the yeah. day. Yeah. He, there's, like, posts that people have found with him arguing with people at REM forums because he's a big fucking Got nerd. Him. So I was on the Muse forum for one day. Somebody made fun of me, and I deleted my account. <laughs> that is the most you thing I've ever heard. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take the stress. <laughs> oh man, you're so fucking fragile. I'm so fragile. <laughs> Imagine getting bullied off the Muse forum. <laughs> I got bullied off the Muse forum. I'm sorry. Oh man, that's hilarious. It's who I was a person. What did they say to you? I want to know. I, I don't know. I think they corrected my spelling, so I just left. <laughs> oh, hen. Oh, hen. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good day. <laughs> what a good day. Uh, should we move on? Yeah. <laughs> Next up is the track that inspired the theme for this episode. We have Pain by Four Star Mary. Track four. 
overwrought with heavy emotion feelings listening to that. You are so emo. That song is so fucking cheesy and emo, but I love it so much. <laughs> so my original idea for this theme for this episode was fake bands and TV shows. Mm-hmm. But then I realised that was really fucking narrow and I could only really talk about Buffy. So yeah, that song is Pain by Four Star Mary. It's featured in Buffy. Uh, it's introduced in a scene where Seth Green's fake band are playing. He's the bassist of the band because they couldn't even get Seth Green to be the most important member of the fucking band. <laughs> <laughs> Which I find hysterical. Ouch. Yeah, the fake band are called Dingo's Ain't My Baby, which is a great band name. <laughs> and yeah, it instead was actually Pain by Four Star Mary. Ah. Which is fantastic. It's so stupidly power pop, emo. Oh, I actually think that scene, because I, mm-hmm. I can actually still picture the exact scene in my head. Is, is it the one where Willow's wearing the Eskimo suit? I can't. Rem- I actually can't remember that. I can only remember like, oh. the intro to it. But it's the one where they like walk into the. Like, we should say actually, Katie's watching Buffy for the first time right I'm now. I'm watching Buffy right now. Yeah, hi. Yeah, it's when like I can remember them walking into the bronze, and it's like mm-hmm. one of the first times I think in series two. And yeah, this is playing, and I was like, mm-hmm. "This is the coolest fucking thing." Okay. I was like, "This is this is like the peak aesthetic of Buffy right here, or early, mm-hmm. or early Buffy, as I would later find out." But right. yeah, I think that like perfectly encapsulates it that whole scene, mm-hmm. and it is cheesy, and you know, I like it's a bit like a shitter version of Pearl Jam, but mm-hmm. I love it for that. I love everything about it. I love the yeah. bass. I love the four chord structure. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. I love the little fucking guitar counter melodies that run throughout just to keep it going. Mm-hmm. It is, oh, it's something special. I think you might really love this song. I really do. I love all the music yeah. that's in uh, season one of two of Buffy. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Before they did like the, so for series three, they redo the theme and stuff, which is still the same theme. They've just re-recorded it. So it's, Mm-hmm. a bit more studio I actually preferred the raw earlier stuff but they got loads of quite yeah. good bands like to jump in like Nerf Herder does the theme and yeah they had uh, obviously Four Star Mary and Sprung Monkey have a good song in it it's just so fucking late 90s it's painful yeah how do you feel about this good Good. Is this another one where you're just going to be like, oh, it's alright, I've, I've not actually got things to say. I don't have much to say, because this clearly has a very deep emotional connection to you. Yeah. And your love of Buffy. And as somebody who's watching it right now in the year of our Lord 2020 for kind of the first time watching it, like, properly, rather than just having it on. Yeah, yeah. I do not have the same emotional connection. To Pain by Four Star Mary. <laughs> I think I watched it right at the right time in my life. I was still in school when I first watched Buffy properly. Yeah. I watched it a wee bit when it was on, but obviously I was a bit young. I think I was like seven mm-hmm. or eight, you know, when it was... I think, yeah, no, I was ten when I was, it was finishing. So, mm-hmm. like, I was a bit young. But when I was in about fifth or fourth or fifth year of high school, so about 2010, mm-hmm. got really into Buffy. And it all just got put on Netflix at that point. Yeah, I tanned through it like rapidly, mm-hmm. and it's just good teen fucking supernatural drama in it. Yeah, very much so. And it is Cordelia is the best character in the early series. Don't fucking at me. Oh, God, she is. 
Okay, Jamie. You'll come to appreciate Cordelia. I should hope so. I think the one of the best things they did in Buffy was the soundtracking. Mm-hmm. And that's saying something, because Buffy's writing and acting are all impeccable. Yeah. And casting. Jesus Christ. Could you think of anyone better to play Giles than Anthony Head? You're only saying that because you know that I fancy Giles. Look, everybody fancies Giles. I'm coming to find that, and I feel very at peace with it. Yeah, no, everybody acknowledges that Giles has powerful daddy energy. He does. It's a great show. Fucking cheesy, but a lot of fun music. And I, there's something, yeah, something about the level of distortion on the guitars that's just perfect for me. Just the way it all sounds. The mixing of like how high the bass is as well. Oh, oh, I want to make some music like that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> Speaking of perfection, Katie, introduce your next track. Okay, my next track is the epitome of perfection. It is the greatest song ever written. It is the greatest song ever performed. It's from the greatest TV show ever set to celluloid. It is One Track Lover from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. If we ever release some covers of songs we've covered on 8-tracks, which was something we did consider for quite a while, that will be number one on my list. That will be number one. That will be track one. It will also be track one through 99. <laughs> it's just Katie doing the rap again and again. She's smooth. Like ice, cold to the touch, and it's very nice for you let alone. Yeah, That's alone. <laughs> just me doing my berry bits. So... Just like the show itself, One Track Lover is a note-for-note perfect parody of 80s drama and music featured in it. Everything about it is immaculate. Like everything. The production, the instrumental choices, the fucking little guitar solo with the synth backing. It's it's pitch perfect. Like I can't quite get across how brilliant that is. The only thing wrong with this episode that it features in is that Graham Lynham's in it. Boo. Big boo. If you could only go back in time and kill him, I fucking would. <laughs> Jamie, that's how we get sued. Saying I would go back in time and kill Graham Lynham before he was a massive transphobe. <laughs> I don't think I can get sued for saying I want to, that I would kill a man back in time in a hypothetical situation. Give me a time He'll machine. Sue anyone. He'll sue anyone. He sued Pink News. Yeah, but not successfully. <laughs> It's the, it's the whole thing, is he just throws money at people. He's going to run Fair out enough. of it fairly soon. Well, the wife's probably taking everything in the divorce. Yeah. So anyway, let's, let's not talk let, about yeah. tariffs. Let's not we, talk about disgusting, no. disgusting people. No, tariffs. We don't do tariffs. No. This song is incredible. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place is the greatest show of all time. So it's a little bit obscure, and if you're not from the UK, you might have missed it. In fact, even if you're from the UK, you might have fucking missed it. It's one of these shows that is just, it's, you know, it's a show within a show, parody of 80s mystery hospital dramas. Well, you know, like a whole subsection of shows. And it's genius. It's stunning. I can't believe that they wrote a second season and it never got picked up. What? I didn't know that. Apparently they had a whole second season written and Channel 4 refused to take them up on it. I consider that a hate crime. It is, because it was a cult hit at the time. But then, that was back when Channel 4 was actually giving money to interesting stuff and not bullshit reality TV stuff. 
You mean Goggle Box? Just say Goggle Box. Goggle Box. Love Island. <laughs> I, I get why these shows are entertaining. Love Island is ITV too. Oh, is it actually? Whoops. Yes, it's ITV. Anyway, I don't know how many times I've described myself as a dreamweaver, visionary, author. I've forgotten the rest of the quote. <laughs> I was going to say you fucked that. <laughs> Oh my god, ignore me. Yeah. No, I love it. I love this episode. It's from the Creeping Moths from the Shores of Shugoth. Yeah. Um I probably pronounced that wrong. It's I think it's I think it's the last episode in the series. It's either the last or the second last. I can't remember. Yeah, it's either it's either the last or the second last. But it is so funny. The plot is Sanchez, who is played by uh, Matt Berry, uh, Lucian Sanchez. He falls in love with a woman who's slowly turning into a piece of cosmic broccoli. And um, um, Richard Iwadi, who is the uh, dean? No, not dean of the hospital. He's dean. Yeah, he's dean learner. Thornton <laughs> like, reads. Yeah, um, he's the head of the hospital. He's just there yeah. to support him, and pour yeah. drinks at a bar while rapping. Apparently, just everything about Garth Marenghi's Dark Place is perfect. Mm. It's all in E four. Go watch it. There's only six episodes. Yes. It is. You'll get through it in a day. Like, every once in a while, I get really depressed and then I think, oh, fuck it, I'm going to watch Dark Place again. You do the exact same thing. And you get through it in, like, no time at all. It's yeah. just genius. They're all, like, 20 minute episodes. You can just binge the whole thing. It's great. And lots of people, well, especially internet personalities, have just ripped shit straight from it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jim Starlin couldn't exist without. Without Matthew Holmes. Uh, Holmes, yeah. The only thing we haven't talked about thus far is Matt Berry's incredible singing voice. He has the smoothest fucking voice. His his voice is like liquid silk. Absolute radio eighties. Honestly, he like, but he has a beautiful voice, and he's even he's done stuff with um with uh oh my god the lead singer Queen of the Stone Age is Josh Homme. Thank you. He's he's done stuff with him in the desert sessions and all that as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He does backing vocals quite a lot for that stuff. Yeah, and he has he released an album. He is a good singer. Um, he is, and he's got a beautiful voice. I don't just mean his talking voice, his singing voice. Yeah. I, do you know that I actually found out that this wasn't his original talking voice? Oh, really? So, right, before he discovered that this was the way to go with his kind of character and branding that he plays... Yes. Um, he was actually going for a bit of a hard man London voice. Really? Like a Cockney East End voice. I saw like an early interview. I'll try and source it for the episode. And it's mm-hmm. him being like, all right, geezer, I'm here. Like that. Rather than as usual, like, Hah. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking wild. Well, there you go. So sticking within this amazing era of cult comedy, Adam and Joe... Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, we're moving to another one of them, Trigger Happy. And the song is Moving to California by Straw. I think that song's a fucking work of genius. Oh yeah? Yeah, it's the best Britpop song ever written. Oh really? Okay, wow, that's quite a strong take. Oh, I, and I'm, I'm going there. It's okay. criminally underrated. Mm-hmm. Like, who the fuck has heard of Straw? Not me. Exactly. That video only had 422 views. Okay. To be fair, it's like a 2014 upload. But mm-hmm. it is, I think, the structure, the instrumentation, the vocal track, everything is just pitch perfect about that. 
Okay. But I'll go into that in a second. Sure. So this comes from Trigger Happy TV. Mm-hmm. Another one of these manic shows that could only exist in the time that it came out in. Yes. Uh, surrealist comedy at its height. I know you're not a big fan. No, but I also know that you're obsessed with the Trigger Happy soundtrack. It's because it is the best piece of contemporary modern soundtracking I've ever seen. Oh, Every... we're, throwing around, we're throwing around a lot of you know, superlatives here. In TV, I've never seen a TV show that manages to bring together so many brilliant songs from so many different eras and use them all perfectly with sketches. It's nuts. Yeah. It is absolutely nuts. I mean, it goes from fucking Straw to Gordon Lightfoot to mm. Faithless to PJ Harvey to James. It's just such a good soundtrack. Honestly, I still go back and listen to it. Like Every time I do, I discover a new track I absolutely fall in love with. It is well worth looking up. Like the comedy might not be your thing, yeah, but the music in the show is just unreal. Mm. It's it's even got one of the best Blur songs for you, Katie. Um, Which one is that? Uh, no place left to run or nowhere okay. left to run. Is that what it is? Uh, can't remember. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just so good. It has the Beta Band in it. Doctor Baker's in it. Band. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, it introduced me to so many bands when I was so young. And, yeah, like I can't. I can't put a value on that because it is just one of the most priceless gifts I've ever had. Mm. The amount of bands the show introduced me to is just incredible. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that track out of interest before I fucking wax lyrically about it? Oh, you're going to kill me. I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Like, I'm I'm so sorry. Like, I, I haven't... I haven't formed an opinion of it more than, yeah, that was fine, yeah. Uh, to be fair, like, that's your first Brett time Pop, hearing it. Yeah, Britpop's not really my thing, honestly. I'm not into the Verve. I don't like Oasis. Like, I like Blur, but, you know, I could take or leave them. Like, I'm not... I wouldn't, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't say I was the biggest Britpop fan either. I like some Oasis. I do like Pulp quite a lot. You're a bigger brick pop fan than me, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I would say I can tolerate it definitely more than you. I yeah, like I would say so. Yeah. I I just I don't like the verve at all. Like it's it's just it's just not my genre. It's just not my thing. Mm. Um I think it happens like yeah. to be with like how I grew up and like what time I grew up in as well. So a lot yeah. of it reminds me of like quite early childhood for me. Yeah. Because um, Urban Hymns yeah. was a CD my folks played quite a lot when I was younger. Yeah, I I did have a very negative experience with a copy of Hindu Times. Oh yeah. So, yeah, um, we only we drove to France. We drove on holiday every time we went away. So we drove to places in the on the continent uh, because my dad's terrified of flying but won't admit it. And we drove to France and had one CD, and the CD was Hindu Times by Oasis, and we listened to it on repeat. So many fucking times. I can't listen to Oasis anymore. Can't. To be fair, I struggle with some Oasis. Like, even as someone who likes some of their songs. Yeah. But Straw, not one of these bands you'll have heard a million times. (laughs) Or the fact that it's your first time hearing it. Yes, it is. I think that song is brilliant. It's ethereal. Yeah. It's much slower than it actually seems. Mm. everything feels like it's just plodding along but it's it's a really I, lyrically I love it because it's a song about the acceptance of failing and being proud of your failures sure like they're moving to California at least that's what they're telling their friends mm-hmm. and it's it's all about how they weren't being successful as a band or they were right. struggling to find success as a band that's the like abseil to safety on a master tape spindle 
is on the lines. Mm-hmm. We'll live off of driftwood and the cash from the social. Come, we'll join hands together. We'll go walk in the ocean. It's acceptance of failing, and I think yeah. that's a beautiful lyric. And I think everything about like the way the strings intertwine with it and builds uh, like really nicely for an absolute proper payoff of a chorus. The guitar is really nice doing little counter melodies. That gives me big pulp vibes, actually. Sure, yeah. Like more interesting. Well, not actually not pulp. Sorry, gives me big suede vibes. Similar guitar work to suede. Mm. Even like the way that like the vocalist uses his kind of staccato voice at certain points really punches it. So when he goes bye bye UK, absolutely perfect for that point in time in the song. Mm. I think it is just a song that like I wish more people had heard. Well. The listeners of the podcast will now be very familiar with it. Yeah, because they've heard me fucking wank on about it. It uh, was a big wank, but you seem to have fun. <laughs> like, honestly, I, I just wish more people had heard this. It's yeah, it's a song I've been listening to for years and years, and it never goes off my playlist for very long, if I'm being honest. Because mm. every time this comes on, I've got a big smile on my face. Right. And the same can be said for a lot of Trigger Happy's soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It goes from like Elastica to fucking Men at Work, and it's still fucking brilliant. Yeah. Genius. I love the show, but I can understand why it's divisive. If you're going to do anything, go listen to that soundtrack, because it's filled with tracks you might not have heard of, but are fucking brilliant. Yes. Katie, it's your last pick for the week. Tell us about it. Okay. My last track, you'll all be thanking God that it is the last one, is Zero by the Smashing Pumpkins. Okay, so I was really struggling to find a song. Like, because I don't watch a lot of TV, but I've been re-watching The Simpsons recently. Yeah. And I completely forgot my favourite episode of The Simpsons, apart from the one where Homer becomes a food critic. Yeah. Is Homer Palooza. Featuring the Smashing Pumpkins. Featuring Smashing Pumpkins, Sonic Youth, and Cypress Hill. Fucking hell, I forgot Sonic Youth were in it as well. Ah, uh, Sonic Youth did the, did the closing theme. Mind when The Simpsons was counterculture. Like, but it is the best episode and it has my absolute all-time favourite joke in The Simpsons, apart from the one where the dog speaks in the aforementioned episode where Homer becomes a food critic, where Homer introduces himself to Billy Corrigan from The Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And Billy Corrigan says, Billy Corrigan, Smashing Pumpkins. And Homer replies, Homer Simpson, smiling politely. <laughs> That is the funniest, the way that joke is delivered is the funniest fucking thing on the planet. It's so funny. The Simpsons used to be really quick, though. It's, it was, well, that joke was originally written for Courtney Love. Oh, really? Yeah, which I, I didn't know. So the joke was originally supposed to be, Courtney Love says, Hi, Homer, I'm a big fan, Courtney Love. And Homer responds, Homer grateful. Oh, really? Well, yeah. the Smash from Pumpkins one is funnier. Well... Sonic Youth weren't gonna they refused to be in the episode if Courtney Love was in it. Good, good lads. So it was rewritten for Billy Corrigan. I mean he's also a prick, but he's, he's s- such a prick. He's slightly better than Courtney Love, I would say. By a factor of By like, a hair. Yeah, by by minutia. He's better. And Pearl Jam were also gonna be in the episode, which would have been fucking amazing. Mm. But I think that is the f- that 
fucking love that episode. It's so funny. It's so, so funny. Smashing Pumpkins are okay too, I guess. I like the Smashing Pumpkins quite a lot. I like them too. Not as much as everybody else seems to. Yeah. I can't stand Billy Corrigan. He's a fucking no, me neither. adult baby. He's a, he's a... Oh, adult baby is the best description I've ever heard. He's a fanny. He is just the worst, biggest loser. I fucking hate that boy. <laughs> he's just such a dick. But the first two Smashing Pumpkins albums are fucking incredible. Yes, they are very good. Even the one that's him playing all the instruments. Brilliant. And yeah, Zero is another great example of early Smashing Pumpkins being fucking great. Totally. It's a really good song. It's a really fun song to like sing along to. I have a real thing that I, I really enjoy when in a song they pause for a couple seconds. Mm. It's a little trick I like where they'll like do a gap and then lead themselves back in. Yeah. And by leading themselves back in with the vocals, it's kind of like introducing the second verse in that one. Mm. It's absolutely brilliant. And it's like, you know, that song is filled with absolutely banging guitar riffs. Yeah. That one under the chorus is so good. I'm sure it is. I'm not great at this aspect of music, so I trust you. It's not really something that's objective. It's totally mm. subjective. It's opinion. Like, yeah. if you like it, it's good to you. That's yeah. it. And I think that whole song is, you know, it doesn't outstate its welcome. It's nice and no. short. And I do appreciate that about early Smashing Pumpkins. Yes. As someone who's into punk music, you know, I, I have a real thing about songs overstaying their welcome and that doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally get you. I totally agree. I think it's a great song. I think it's a phenomenal episode of The Simpsons. Season 7 is really good. I know, I, when is it people say that The Simpsons goes downhill? Series 10. Right, okay. Okay, well, I I really do think that season seven is, like, it's really, really good. It's got Lisa the Vegetarian, which is the one that's got Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney in it. Yeah. Oh, it's got 22 short films about Springfield. Oh, that was one of the best episodes. That fucking episode. Based on Slacker, isn't it? Uh, Or inspired by Slacker. Could be, yeah, sure. Have you seen Slacker? No, I haven't. Oh, it's very, very much like 22 short stories about Springfield, or 21 short stories about Springfield. 22, you were right the first time. 22, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not as vignettes, the story is told, and then they kind of change up the characters, or like the focus of it changes every time like, they pass someone, or you know they'll be in the same yeah. cafe as someone, and it'll change focus. And it's all sure, little vignettes sure. and short stories. It's great. Cool. It really captures 90s counterculture. It's not, well, I don't know if I would say it's the easiest watch. It's a bit art house wanky, but like I enjoyed it. Saying that, the last time I watched it, I think I was like 14, so maybe I just wasn't big brain enough yet. I mean, it's a possibility. Too busy stuck on small brain. Absolutely. You're no longer a small brain boy. No, no longer. I'm now a medium brain boy. Absolutely. Gotta get that medium brain boy. <laughs> medium. I think Zero's a great track. Yeah, it is. It's really, it's a good fun song from a really fun episode of The Simpsons. And lyrically, it's as dumb as ever. Yeah. With a lot of uh, Smashing Pumpkins usual fucking nonsense loneliness is godliness (laughs) why does he sound like a baby he actually sounds like a baby I'm sorry I like Smashing Pumpkins but I just realised that Billy Corgan's an adult baby it's just because he's bald you just associate him wearing a big adult diaper no it's his voice as well he's so whiny he is yeah you're right Tom DeLonge from Bling 182 has a whiny voice but I don't associate him as a baby because he's got hair that's it he's bald and has a whiny voice so he's a baby like, I, I, okay, not all bald men, right? No, 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 like, that's what I said, he has a whiny voice. 
Yeah, no, no, no. But I'm just, I'm just coming in in case our, you know, like one bold listener is like, excusez-moi, and then they click off the podcast and never listen no, no, to no, us no. again. There's nothing wrong with like having a shaved head or being bald. It's all cool. No. Like, and I think actually Billy Corgan suits that look. I'm just saying. Can you imagine him with hair? Did he not have hair for the first? I've never seen him with hair. Yeah, he definitely had hair for the first Magic Pumpkins album. I'm oh, did sure. he? I've never seen him with um, hair. I'll put that in there so we can all see the comparison. Yeah. But I just think it's a mixture between Billy Corgan's personality, mm-hmm. lack of hair, and his voice that makes him an adult baby. Amazing. Billy Corgan. What a cunt. <laughs> He still is. He's still alive. Yeah, sadly. I say sadly. I shouldn't say sadly. I shouldn't wish death on him. He's not that bad. He's just a bit of a dick. This week, we're finishing with something fucking iconic. She's Gone Away by The Nine Inch Nails. can't begin to describe how much of a brilliant surprise that was when upon watching the fucking wildest episode of the new series of Twin Peaks which I'm not going to say very much about because Katie hasn't seen it. Let's see that. Nine Inch Nails just showed up out of fucking nowhere. Excuse me, the Nine Inch Nails? The Nine Inch Nails. For Twin Peaks The Return, David Lynch was like, fuck it, let's get a bunch of fucking great bands to play in each episode. And they couldn't have picked a better band for that episode. <laughs> or a better song. Holy fuck. I have to say, I think that's probably the best Nine Inch Nails song they've written since With Teeth, in my opinion. Okay. Hard disagree. However, I really, yeah, hard disagree. I yeah. have to say, I do think it is that. Just everything about it is so moody and dark. I love it. Fucking yeah. laughing rhythmically is a fucking musical device ah it's perfect i'd just like to point out before we go any further though that nine inch nails has not been picked by me for this one no it's picked by me and that's that's something to be celebrated <laughs> is this their second or is it their third appearance in the podcast i think it's their second could be their fifth or sixth jb honestly <laughs> at this point i just don't know we do like um, big trond i am i'm a big nine inch nails fan i've always quite enjoyed nine inch nails but they came onto my favourite show. Yeah. Or the return of my favourite show. Yeah. And it was such a good time. Just uh, the fucking shred bit where the guy just starts going fucking ham on the guitar in the middle of verses mm. is like that. The synth bass kicking in underneath it. It's just mm. all. I've never seen a gig I want to be at more than this. I would love to see. I would give my left hit to see Nine Inch Nails live. No, but imagine being there while David Lynch fucking directs them. That's a wet I mean, dream for me. For you, yeah. I, I would just like to see Dimensionals. In the fucking roadhouse. Oh, just be fucking Nine Nails work quite a lot with David Lynch, though. Yeah, specifically Trent Reznor has done, yeah. did some stuff for Lost Highway. Yeah. I think we might have talked about that when we talked about the Lost Highway soundtrack with I'm Deranged. With I'm Deranged, yeah. Because he wrote Perfect Drug for Lost Highway. And then was like, this is the worst song I've ever written. And everyone was like, Trent, we love, <laughs> we love the perfect drug. And he's like, shut the fuck up. It was a mistake. Shut up. I don't think like I could think of a better song or band to fit for this new series of Twin Peaks, which is very dark. 
and it's quite bleak at points. Yes. And I think this song is the perfect summation of the darkest and bleakest episode of the new Twin Peaks. Mm. Maybe not the bleakest, but certainly the darkest. Yeah. And it's the most recent example in this whole list of songs. Mm-hmm. And it goes to show that there's still powerful uses of music and television. Yeah, for sure. I think this was the scene in the episode that elevated the return for me. Oh, yeah. Because I was really worried about it before it came back. Because mm. obviously yeah. it's, it's like... <laughs> It's like them adding a new sequel to your favourite book. Mm-hmm. We haven't read for 10 years, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Or your favourite TV show. Or, or you know, your favourite band is broken up. And they haven't mm-hmm. released an album for 20 years. And then they bring out a new one. Which actually happened around the same time as Twin Peaks <laughs> for me with American football. Yeah. But I was really enjoying it up until this point. But this was like, no, this is brilliant again. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have a lot of issues with the return. Because they don't think it is... I think a lot of people went in expecting more Twin Peaks. Right. Which is a mistake. They were never going to be able to recapture that. And mm-hmm. so they didn't try. Right. They made something new. Right. And something just as good, in my opinion. And I really respect David Lynch for that. Because yeah. every time he's revisited Twin Peaks, so for Fire Walk With Me and The Return, they've both been completely mm. different takes on them. Yeah. They've never tread the same ground again. And it's uh-huh. never gotten stale because of that. Yeah. Series 2 got stale, but that's because there was a lack of involvement. Uh-huh. Anyway, stop and rant about Twin Peaks. Yeah. I still think one of the best like music and TV moments as well. I nearly picked this, but Chromatics with Shadow in the first episode of the new Twin Peaks Return was fucking great. Specifically because we were all watching it as a group and we all liked Chromatics separately and they'd never really associated them with Twin Peaks. And then suddenly yeah. at the end of the new Twin Peaks, the Chromatics has showed up. If you get the chance, watch Twin Peaks in the Return. I know I've said this about every show on here, apart from Friends, because everybody's fucking seen Friends. But give it a shot so you can hear the best Nine Inch Nails song in years. What was your take on it as a Nine Inch Nails fan? I really like it. It's on Not the Actual Events, and I know it was written for the show, but oh, it sounds really bad. The track is completely overshadowed by a lot of the other stuff on that album, hmm. specifically Burning Bright Field on Fire, which is the last track on that. Well, it's an EP, it's not an album, it's an EP. It's still a great song. I still really like it. I don't even think it's the best song on that, that album. But something I find really interesting about it is if you've got the lyric card for She's Gone Away, mm. it's printed over the lyrics for Reptile from the Downward Spiral. Yeah. So it seems to be that there's a link between She's Gone Away and Reptile. Mm. But peak Trent Esner energy, he's never revealed what that link is supposed to be. And he will never. This is Trump. He will never. No, that's this is his thing. This is what he does. But like, yeah, if you if you reference the Nine Inch Nails wiki, mm. like me and the other fucking losers, you can see the lyrics from Reptile are kind of interspersed between the lyrics, and she's gone away. So there's some kind of connection between the two songs. Yeah. But it's not entirely sure what that connection is. I think that's pretty interesting. I really like when he does that. I like when Trent Reznor does that. Because he's a really big fan of what he calls the physical component. Like the actual... Usually the vinyl copy of the album will have something like a little bit extra that links the songs to other songs or events or, you know, aspects of the band. And there's a whole kind of like fun puzzle in trying to work out how these songs connect with the rest of like where the kind of red lines are formed between that and the rest of Nine Inch Nails their discography. I don't think it's my favourite. I do really like it but yeah. I think the reason for me why it's my favourite is because Mm -hmm. of the way I was introduced to it which was in that episode. Sure of course. 
And I, I think if you add the context of the episode, I think it adds a bit more to it. Sure. To be honest. I think as well, though, you've got... The, you love Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is, is love. It is also life for you. Yeah, like, but actually distancing from Twin Peaks itself. Mm-hmm. Like, but as part of that episode specifically. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen it as something as part of a greater whole, if you get what I mean. I think on its own, I don't know if it would work as well. Honestly, like, I don't really associate Nine Inch Nails, my love for Nine Inch Nails with my love for Twin Peaks. Yeah. I, I see them as purely separate things. Uh-huh. But I think seeing this as a part of the work that it was in mm-hmm. improves it dramatically. Whether that's Twin sure. Peaks or not. It could be in anything. And if it was... It could be in anything of that quality. If you get what I mean. Yeah. It's a bit like how you associate the quality of Sigzig Sputnik with Ferris Bueller's Day Off for me. Yeah, and it's not because of my emotional attachment to Twin Peaks. It was because of the actual quality of the art itself, for me. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has anything to do with nostalgia or feelings like of that uh-huh. regard for me. Great song. Great band. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough ranting for this week. I think so. Next time we're doing our Wall of Sound special. So that is tracks with a wall of noise. <laughs> Whether that's fuzzy guitars, you know, droney music or synthesizer beds. We just want a wall of sound. So tell us your picks for songs, features and TV shows in the comments section. Let us know on Twitter what your picks for wall of sound is. Until next time, stay safe, have a good week. Bye, wash your hands, tell your mum you love her. Bye.